Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of An Office Kiss right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Sam Hawksmore. We're going to be talking again. We've done a number of shows on his books before, but we've got a new book to talk about today, Mission Longshot. It uh, takes us on a journey that not only what is possible, but what a discovery of ourselves for adversity and struggle. His books always leave you wanting more and reflecting on your own life. He wrote, writes for both youth and adult genres, but each book takes you to an adventure and a wonderment of the what ifs in life. The mission long shot, Sam's latest book, is an alignment, it seems always such an innocent word. We always seem to expect the stars to align one day in our favor or with good planning, everything might fall into place before the battle. It's a positive word until it isn't. Then suddenly everything aligns against you with such overwhelming force. There's little you can do to prevent the disaster. And this is what that story is all about. We've also going to be discussing all his other books today, uh, which I invite you just to go to Sam Hawksmore here on selfdiscoverymedia.com and you'll see the whole list of his books and other shows that we've done before. Uh, the last one we did was We Feel Your Pain So You Don't Have To, um, which was a wonderful book and I highly recommend everybody get out and read that as well. But this one is a youth genre, right? It's a, it's a totally different book. and. Uh, but again, it's about that adventure. It's about what is possible against all adversity, how coming together makes the difference, and that fighting for one life is worth fighting for. Welcome back, Sam. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> we have well, to here, here I is. He and, is. And yes, Mission Long Shot is the new one. And uh, the subtitle sums it all up. is how far would you go to save one life? Mm. Yeah, and you know, we see that in the movies. It's the cost of many lives to go and save the one life. And yeah. what's significant about that one life? But very often it is the saving of that one life isn't just about the one life. It's about what that one life represents. And in this well, case, she's in, in representing something. In this particular story, it's um, it, it's a bit of pretty much of a, a literary trope, and there are a number of movies similar to it, where you send off mankind to start again somewhere as our planet is going to hell right you know the climate the weather politics you name it really pandemics war um so um this is takes place uh, the actual colony flight takes place in uh, 2032 and at a rush they have built this spaceship and they put 3000 children in it and they will all be um, educated by osmosis Right, so they learn as they sleep. And the idea is on a 70 year journey right across the other side of the universe, um, they will arrive at this planet that they hope will be a new earth and uh, start a new life. Unfortunately, <laughs> at the beginning of the book, a 
asteroid strike hits uh, the ship and one girl wakes up or is woken rather abruptly to discover that she's the only survivor. And uh, it's a terrifying prospect because you're already trillions of miles from Earth. Right. You know, no one is going to come to rescue you. Your nails are six inches long. Your hair is down to your feet. (laughs) You look disgusting. Your flesh is white slug. And she's got to learn to walk and talk again. Mm -hmm. She's been in stasis. That's in a lock, you know, not a lockdown, but in in a life pod for 23 years. And um, she knows the moment when she finally, you know, gets compass mentors and the robot medic has sort of injected her with enough fluids that she can really start to think again. And uh, he rather depressingly tells her that you've got 72 years to live (laughs) on her own in a crippled spaceship in space. Yes. Never, the only person she could possibly speak to is a maintenance robot. <laughs> so uh, that's the premise, if you like. Right. Meanwhile, on Earth, her father, who is the father of the engine designer of that spaceship she was in, has progressed to developing a light speed spaceship. Unfortunately, the moon base where he works is littered with eight billion dollar light speed failures that all have blown up. Mm-hmm. Now they have to an emergency test of the one who's just finished, which is going to be piloted by A, an AI system, but also B, his niece Stella, who looks just like the girl who's on the spaceship 23 light years away or whatever. They're cousins, and, um, right? And, um, and that's the premise. They, they say, well, you know, we were going to do a test, but we got to go and save my daughter. And there are a lot of risks involved. And so what happens, they do the test flight. He's gone into the life pod because he's 67 or something. And the last thing he can do is survive all of this. If he was just in, in the cabin, it has to be in safety mode. And she being only like 14 years old, and a fully-fledged pilot already, born on Mars. And um, she is uh, does the test. It's successful, much to her amazement. She isn't dead. However, there has been one small miscalculation. <laughs> they have gone so fast. They have gone back in time, 57 years, to New Year's Eve 1999. The Y2K. (laughs) And uh, there are three kids out there who one of them sees this thing landing at six o'clock in the morning and they are alien hunters. They're only like 14 year olds, but that's their their hobby. Mm. They're always looking for aliens and they live in Florida and one of them's dad works at a secret facility somewhere for uh, NASA. Anyway, um, that's what they're going to find is this girl crippled because she's born on Mars. She's never experienced Earth's gravity. Right. And if you've seen pictures of astronauts, when they come down to Earth, they can't move. They have to be lifted out of the, um, cap, you know, the um, capsules that land in the water or in the space shuttle or whatever. They just cannot, they have no physicality anymore. And so 
she is crippled and like they, they sort of rescue her just as the military is trying to find this alien craft that's landed. Anyway, so that is the beginning of Mission Longshot. Right. So, you know, it's the cast, right? Yeah. Uh, the players in, in the role. So uh, she's not alone trying to rescue her cousin. She's now got a team uh, yeah. who end up being a lot, lot smarter than they actually were on Earth. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, you know, they're not they're not as smart as Stella, the right. pilot. But on the other hand, what they do have is enthusiasm, mm -hmm. a love of space. Both or all three really want to be astronauts, as you would if you grow up very close to Cape Canaveral and mm -hmm. all of that, and when the space shuttle was still operating and things like that. And um, so, they're if you like, they're geeks. Um, but this is a thrill for them, mm -hmm. only slowly do they begin to realize, wait a minute, you know, if we're going to go and rescue this girl who's actually in 2057, and this is only 1999, New Year's Eve, how do we get there? One, will we ever get back? Right. And is there anything to come back to? Because why is everybody living on Mars and the moon and looking for a new planet anyway? Right, so. there's been global warming, there's been nuclear war, there right. is, and the fact is, the moment if you do go nuclear, well, that's not going to help the climate, really. No, it? no, definitely not. And you know, there's there's so many movies and books on Armageddon, and you, you know, you know, you just look at humans. It's like you have the most beautiful gift you could ever possibly want in your life. This planet it provides us with everything, and yet all we want to do is obliterate each other and everything in sight so it's like you know it's always like they're going off to another planet to start again but you know unless you change the way you are all you're going to do is repeat the same process and destroy yeah. another planet right when, when i was writing this and uh, wrote the script beforehand um my supervisor a girl called Emma, who's uh, anna who's the director of, of films here and she was saying well what's the um what's the purpose of all of this book? What are we learning? What is the lesson learned? And I had to think about that because, you know, I quite like just the story. I like the characters and all the rest of them. But what are they learning? Well, what they're learning is there's probably only one planet that can mankind can really survive on. Mm -hmm. And we better do something about it. Right. And, right. Uh, the wake-up yeah. call, you know, I call it the cosmic two-by-four. When people don't pay attention, <laughs> whack, you know, have I got your attention now? Two, two things that were in the news this week, actually. One is that in my book, I've sort of predicated that we're heading towards this nine billion population. We're at eight at the moment, but mm. we're heading towards nine. Within our lifetimes, you know, within yeah. 10 years, which is extraordinary. When you think that uh, when I was born anyway, there were only two and a half billion on Earth. Right. That's, you know, and and life, life expectancy wasn't anywhere near as long. Most, yeah, it's shot up by about 20, 30% for some. For some. Mm -hmm. The other thing, it just happened today. The European court has ruled in Belgium that Shell must um, go, if you know, almost like net zero, but reduce all of their carbon emissions by 40% by 2030. Mm -hmm. Okay, which, you know, is interesting. And they are sort of committed to going in that direction. But you're talking to an oil company. Yes. Right. Uh, they actually produce carbon products, right? Mm -hmm. you know, that is what they do. Um, 
there will also be something else. Everybody thinks it's great. Everybody wants to be green. Everybody wants to be responsible. You and I would both love to have an electric car if we could mm -hmm. afford one, but mm -hmm. unfortunately, they're stupidly expensive and China controls all the batteries. But there will be a rebellion, a resistance to being forced to go green. Now, one of the things that's happening here, uh, by 2025, they're banning you can't have um, gas-fired boilers to warm your house. How do you warm your house then? How do you warm your house? Yeah. So they're saying, well, we can go over to hydrogen or you can fit solar panels or you can have heat pumps. None of these things will heat a 1930s. Mm -hmm. What well, most of us live in uh, yes. for some reason uh, with no proper insulation, etc. with a bit of double glazing. But the rebellion, when people realize that they're not going to be able to stay warm in winter, particularly the older who may not have the money to put, right. you know, $30,000 worth of solar panels on their roof or whatever, there will be resistance mm -hmm. and there'll be resistance to all kinds of things that they, the green agenda is pushing forward. And uh, it's quite interesting. There is no, you can't go green without pain and no one's telling you about the pain. Right. Look, every transition is painful everyone i mean this whole pandemic that everybody's gone through is, has been literally deadly for some people and extremely painful and and uh, a total pivot for many many people um it's what how you react to the challenge how you react to the changes that are before you and what you can rise up to that's the invitation all the time but when you are talking about the elderly with the people that can't afford and let's face it people are getting poorer and, you know, as more and more technology and more and more opportunity comes in, there are more and more people getting poorer because everything is going up except for their pension or anything else. Um, we're going to leave a lot of people behind. And so, yes, it's great. Push forward with the green. But at the same time, you need the balance of kind of slowly, like we are doing with the pandemic. We are very slow to go back into full production step by step by step before we're right out there again it should be the same with the other technology but it seems to be as humans we're either um all stop or all go foot to the pedal and we don't seem to plan things out and that's what gets us into trouble isn't it maybe i mean yesterday i went to the cinema for the first time since last uh gosh when would it be august when we were allowed to yeah, go to the cinema. I haven't been to the movies since probably not this February, last February. <laughs> anyway, this is the first day I was allowed. I went to see Nomadland, which is brilliant and beautifully strong visual and a sad, mm. sad movie. But um, uh, gosh, you know, a real insight into the fragility of life in America, mm. for the older people in particular. Yes. Blue collar people who do not have a proper pension and mm -hmm. medical and all the rest of my God, you know. Anyway, I am lucky, touch wood, that um, I live in a country that does respect the old and look after them, you know. Mm. Yeah. And it really does depend on which country you're in. You know, it certainly so, does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some, some cultures revere the elderly for the wisdom and, and what they've paved beforehand uh, and uh, look up to them. But others, it's like, well, you've had your life, you're disposable now. So, yeah. you know, and that's Absolutely. very much the Western culture. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, 
But here, everything is roaring back, I have to say, in the UK. Everybody's going out buying stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so, uh, in a way, that's good because it means people are going to be hiring people and all the rest of it. Right. Yes. But you're right, though, because it means everyone's thinking, oh, I'll get my old life back. I'm going to go on holiday. <laughs> well, they are going on holiday, but they're going to bring back yeah. another variant of the virus. You know, yes. so, you know, I can well see that come September, October again, we're all going to be locked down again. Right. And That's why, why I had a haircut. <laughs> that's why i need one i wish i hope to get one next weekend um but then, as i said we're very you know that there's a lot of pressure on our, our medical people here about when to open up and everything else and it's that there's the push and the pull you know economics we need to open up restaurants are suffering obviously theaters haven't been open for 15 months everything is wanting to open up sports everything and they're just saying step by step because if you go too fast there you are back up with the numbers however there is something positive um they've been trialing for the young a whole bunch of rock concerts and mm. 53,000 or 58,000 kids or young people anyway yes. have gone to rock concerts etc and only 13 people caught the virus and none of them had had the vaccine. Yes, no, quite a lot of them had. Uh, if not the vaccine, they were all tested. Mm. All of them were tested and tested after the concert and tested a week later. That's why they know. Out of all of that, only 13 people. Um, so now 61 million people have been vaccinated in this country and 30 million of that have been vaccinated twice. So that's excellent. Yes. So the virus... Well, the variant is you know, is horrible, but it's got and, and of course, guess where? You know, guess what's the people who are in hospital? They won't take the vaccine. Yeah. So yeah. you know, you know. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, case of Janice, my daughter. I mean, she got it. She worked on the film set. She would have to be tested at least twice a week double double mask doing extremely well not partying not anything um her boyfriend is a is a teacher a music teacher uh of elementary kids and he got it from one of the kids and yeah. so she However, got it you, you say that i have to say school has been back now here for um about five weeks now and there hasn't been an explosion of the virus at all all those teachers who demanded to be vaccinated they haven't caught the virus. The kids right. aren't they aren't infecting everyone. Obviously, there will be some who do. Yes. But yeah. in general, it hasn't been an explosion. And so if you like, um, through discipline, self-discipline, through lockdown, through vaccination, we are getting through this. Mm -hmm. in, system, in countries where there isn't this uh, idea of self-discipline or willingness to obey. Or and the lack of vaccines because of the governments of like Brazil and India. Mm -hmm. Well, in India, I mean, the irony is, is that they're making that's, where, it. that's why they make the vaccine. <laughs> I know. Uh, but delivering it, a health system's completely broken down. The prime minister there is, let's face it, not up to the job, but nope. anyway. Um, but it's a sad state of affairs. And the New York Times today was saying the number that they've got is 324,000 dead is actually a million dead. 
that they yeah don't that's rural poor dying or dope people or, dying. Or, or people who you know they're they're in they're in ambulances outside of the hospital because they can't go into the hospital doctors have been attacked because there's no medical care and they say how can i give you care India, i've got nothing indians deserve better leadership and better yeah you know well, you know, it's the same with Brazil, which is more like a genocide going on there, really. Yes, He's just, just totally ignored um, the fact that there is even a pandemic. So, yeah, I think it just depends on what country you're in. We, we are at um, almost 60% um, first shot, and uh, they want us to be at 75% first shot, at, at least 20% second shot before they open up more. Um, so we're, we're getting more and more you, of the vaccines coming in. You yeah yeah exactly and it's just not worth it you know it's like we've been through so much for so long let's just be a little more patient and yeah. you know, I, mean, and if, you know it's good to, I wrote if you remember my book uh, another place the diet yes. Time chronicles and um do i have that the, one here no, and I that have one here. The pandemic uh i wrote about which was much more lethal you mm. know or, or quicker to die and uh, they didn't develop a vaccine till too late and even then that wasn't exactly the right one for the purpose as it were but um and it was quite funny you know i wrote i did the first version of that in 2008 and then the next version in 2014 and all of it was down to wearing masks social yes. distancing <laughs> yes. all of those things common sense <laughs> if you like yeah and uh, so it you know, and all, I took all of that from public documents published by the CDC and others. Mm -hmm. How's it everyone forgot all that? You know, because I, I knew about it. Well, I know. think what it is, is we're saturated. We're saturated with all sorts of senseless stuff all the time. And it's either like the Pied Piper, you know, social media and the media, they're, they're hysterically leading you down whatever they want you to be afraid of next. Um, and it's somebody will always benefit from your fear. And, and yeah, I mean, this is helpful having Trump in charge. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, as people have said, when Biden came in back to beautiful, boring old pol uh, politics. And, yeah. uh, you know, now it's that the America went from so many people dying every day. Uh, yeah. to the amount of people that have been vaccinated and opening up now. And it's just been quietly done. Now, yes. you've still got 20 million people who refuse to get vaccinated uh, or still look at it as a hoax. And I don't know if you've heard the latest one, which I find rather hilarious. The, uh, the unvaccinated and uh, the protest against the vaccines are now wearing masks around people who have been vaccinated because they don't want to get the radiation from the chip they've been vaccinated with. Right. Yes. Right. So, you know, well, it just, whatever works, whatever yeah. gets a mask on them. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, I have many people who, you know, who are anti this, it's just the flu. And I said, well, whether it's a flu or not, use your common sense. And if there's something you can take to prevent that flu from spreading, then just do it right yeah. let's just get it done and you know if 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 microsoft has put a chip in me and they're following everything i'm doing and everything i'm saying maybe they'll learn something yeah, actually <laughs> I, I would rather i rather it was apple that gave the chip than not uh, a pcd <laughs> but anyway <laughs> the whole point is is that we're, we've got big brother watching us all the time anyway so it's like just don't do or don't say what you don't want 
you know, to not have anybody knocking at your door. So, uh, but, but, you know, I want to go to another book that you've written, which is one actually I refer to a great deal. I was interviewing an author the other day and I talked about your book and he immediately wrote it down and wanted to get it. And that's the repercussions. Uh, yeah, which I've, I just, um, yeah, I just had to do um, a republishing of that. So it's, it is definitely available. And I was reading it and um, while well, I was doing it, because I had to relay it out, Amazon changed their parameters and things. And so I've had to go through all my books and change the layout mm. being a nightmare. Yes. A nightmare. Anyway, yeah. Uh, they, they, they control the market. So you have to do what they say. Right. Well, you know, the, the thing about this book and it's all of your books stay with me. I always love them. Um, but this one, you know, the fact that a young boy talking on the phone to his girlfriend crossing the road kind of goes through a, a, a time loop and finds himself in the Second World War and kind of ironically talking to somebody about the whole experience of what his phone is and everything else to someone who ends up being a Nazi sympathizer. Um, and it changes the war completely. Um, and, yeah. you know, it is now Tell a world costs lives. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, I think this is where with the, the youth, never mind the war, uh, because they just they're so bombarded with war movies and war, war, war all the time. But the fact that, you know, uh, you, you don't have a cell phone, you don't have freedom, you don't have this, you don't have that. You know, I think as, as the youth reading that and saying how one lie can change the entire future where you do not have all these luxuries that you have today. I think that's more of a shock to them than anything else. <laughs> But yeah, it was a it was fun rereading it actually. Um, it's a good book. And, um, going through what poor Thomas went through, um, there in, and again, all of the facts are there. You mm -hmm. know, the blitz happened. A million homes were bombed. A million. Yeah. That's multiply per time of the lives. You know, yes, thousands exactly. of people dead. Um, the burning of London, etc. But for him, it's like it's history. Yeah. To find yourself thrust back into history mm -hmm. and having to survive, etc., and realizing that anything you say could affect the future, as it were, and it just so happens to him is that that one person that he put put to jail with is a German spy, you know, and, and it does change everything. Change absolutely everything, and and you know what I always love about your writing is the food for thought. You know, it's entertaining. You get really caught up in the characters. Um, it's always afterwards when you close it, yeah, but what if, what if that really did happen? Yeah. You know, or what if that could happen? Um, you know, what, how would I react in that situation? And I'm going to talk about another book that I absolutely love of yours, which is uh, The Girl with the Girl Cat, with Cat Blue. Blue. Yeah. And, you know, this has got to have a sequel. It has to have a sequel to it. And I love books that take us into different dimensions and different worlds uh, just you know uh, clearly with the harry potter books and the twilight zones and everything we love something that uh, takes us into other worlds and explore and this is definitely one that explores the the different dimensions of the different worlds and the loops between it and what's happening in each world and with this beautiful blue cat that she has and this girl looking for her brother and yeah. you know it's the, the beautiful thing about reading a book 
or something like this. It's your imaginations that's painting the canvas. Your words are the brush. But you know how it comes out and how we read it, how we perceive it, generally always is going to kind of go in with, with a reflection on our own lives. And I think it heightens people's lives to possibilities, to opportunities, and also to, to perhaps a little gratitude for what we do have. The, uh, during lockdown, I did um, a seven hour adaptation of that book. Um, to try and interest people in it. Getting anyone's interest at this present moment is quite difficult, but anyway. Yes, yes, uh, just keep persisting, keep persisting. So I was able to expand in certain areas of the book and uh, particularly on the other side of that mm. world. Uh, it's a tale of two Londons, the present day London, and of course an alternate London, or Lundine, mm -hmm. and, um, which has grown up without war. Mm. And then suddenly, France in the name of the Gauls, who uh, have another historical trajectory, as it were, um, bomb the hell out of it. And uh, there's nothing much left. And this is a girl who's defending really the rubble. Yeah. Think of it, you know. Um, but um, how, how, how long do you stay defending the rubble? Right. You and know? where do you go? You know, if you've if you've lived in well, peace and for her is to follow to find her brother who's mm -hmm. gone to the other side to our London, and um, and doesn't know his way back. Well, he doesn't really want to go back. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hasn't looked too hard. Right. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And, um, uh, I have another book of yours, which. Hmm? No, sorry. Go. Uh, no, I have another book of yours which I don't have with me, but it's it's another one that um that I love. It's um, uh, not another place to die. It's the other one. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, you wrote a book about a young boy who finds a, a foot in a boot on Jericho Beach, which later on you, you set in London. Uh, Called Mean Tide. Mean Tide, that's it. There you go. Yeah. And uh, it, what was that's interesting... By, uh, Sam North, which, uh, so this is previous. Right, yeah, but still a fantastic book. And the interesting thing that happened is that all of a sudden we actually had feet turning up on the shores yeah. here. <laughs> and it's like... Well, that's where it started. That's when I was walking on Jericho Beach. And, uh, and that's, that, that day that turned up and that's where that book started. And but you have you know the psychic boy transferred and, to London, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a wonderful book which uh, I don't know if people can still get hold of, but you know yeah, another it's group. On, it's on Lulu, I think. Yeah. Great, wonderful, and then you know we've got Marika, which is actually based on a true story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and and, pff, and that's know. a story that happened here in Lincolnshire. Uh, a guy uh, was having a problem with the tax people, and was very angry with them demanding money. And he went home, he burned down his home, his children, the horses, everything. Mm -hmm. And Marika is the girl who escaped. And um, unfortunately, and it's not really a spoiler, uh, her dog tries to defend her from him as he's trying to shoot her. And uh, the dog dies, but somehow the dog's ghost stays with her. Mm. I always have to have a dog in. My yes, story. you do. I know how many. I know how much pain you have had in trying to keep the dog alive. In your well, this one, the dog is already dead, but his ghost is alive. <laughs> with her, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, Marika is uh, a nice story set here in Lincolnshire, and um, 
people never write set books in Lincolnshire, so it's quite nice. And the thing about Lincolnshire, it's it's beautiful. I mean, the landscape for things, you know, uh, the rolling hills, um, and then off into the ocean. It there's just so much beauty there to which to set um, a story. And we have an ocean, but we do have a North Sea. Yeah. Okay, no, the water. Um, yeah. But the fact that, you know, it is based on a true story, um, you know, that's, you, you read it and you kind of feel, oh, it's fantasy. And then you go, oh, no, no, this is based in reality. This actually did yeah. happen. And how yeah. terrifying it would have been for her, because, of course, uh, she's she's a little on the run now, right? Not only on the run, but she fears that she will be blamed for it because once she set fire to a shed full of fireworks and burned it down so, right you know, yeah so you get a reputation it's very hard to shake it right and you know as a kid you it's always who will believe me who's yeah. there for um, me nobody yeah. cares about me and so it's a totally different journey altogether yeah. um, and actually it's about a father's journey her real father who's not been able to find it because the mother changed the name and disappeared with her and so this is about the real father trying to find his daughter. Uh, and she's unaware that obviously he's, she thought he was dead. Yes. Uh, what, what people lies, some adults tell children you know, <gasps> in dispute in relationships. I know. And, 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 you know, the amount of people I've interviewed where, that have revealed those lies that they've discovered later and had the impact that it's had on their lives. So this isn't just something we read in, 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 in fiction. You know, I mean, everything you write in fiction, even if it's dimensional stories, there's always a basis of fact in there, isn't there? And this is why it I, always uh, feels so real. I had a, somebody write to me about my book, where We Feel Your Pain, and they weren't really interested in the book, but they loved the dog in it. <laughs> <laughs> where would I get a dog like that? She wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, you've always got a kid. And you've yeah. always got a dog. And, and, and I know, you know, you've had many, many a time in, you know, how, how do I get them to escape with their lives? Never mind the dog. And, yeah. and, you know, a case in point in the next book. Now, this is an old cover because you've had to reconfigure it and everything for, um, for uh, Amazon. But the, the repossession. Well, it's now called The Repossession of Jeannie McGee. And uh, I have just literally today published a new paperback version of that so that's what it's called and you'd have to find it. it'll be on samhawksmore.com and it'll be on there but um so it's available as kindle and that because they my publishers only did it for one year and then killed it even though it won awards it was yeah. published in france and turkey and whatever they and did. it took them so long to even get your book out so you know the wonder all publishing is dying yeah. yeah so anyway so i've revived it and um uh, literally today so um it should be available from tomorrow in paperback well it is a trilogy and and different covers because you've had to yeah, redo it stays the same so the hunting of gina mcgee and the repossession of gina mcgee are now back available again right and, and i'm so happy they are because trying to charge 95 dollars for the original paperback and i have you know a garage full of them so <laughs> Does anyone want one? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, but the thing about these books, which I absolutely love, I love your twists and turns. You know, I mean, never mind that you get really caught up in the character. And, and you've got 
you know, these 34 kids that are missing, you know, what, what's causing them to go missing? What's going on? What are these kind of shadow creatures that they're seeing? And, you know, teleportation and this and that. It, it's that you manage to add layers of mystery and wonderment and explanation. And because of the way you add it, it's all completely believable. So you don't lay it all up up front where it's like, okay, it's going to be one of those books. You start off with the character of this and then it slowly unravels and unravels. And of course, I'm not going to give it away, but when they get to the third book, <laughs> what this is all about, what? <laughs> that was my reaction. What? <laughs> because there is always the villain, but you, it's never the who you think it is. You, you give us a villain right at the very, very beginning there. But when you find out he's just a scratch of the surface and all the layers behind it. And of course, you, you burnt down. Uh, Whistler here in British Columbia. In, in, the, uh, in the hunting of Jim McGee, Whistler. Yes, yes. Gone. Yes, yeah. uh, and, and um, another place to die, you burnt down Commercial Street. <laughs> you know, you're like burning down our landscapes here. Yeah. Uh, uh, the characters are great. Of course, they're young people, because you went to youth genre where you can really let that imagination go. Uh, it's a, you know, a young person, obviously, she she falls in love and it's the journey there but again for any youth that are reading this it's a wonderful kind of discovery of themselves because through the adversity and the challenges and the journeys they go through and the seeking of what really is the truth what really is going on here who's really behind this being on the run and everything else I think for a young person, it helps them kind of turn their eyes in on themselves. You know, could I do that? Would I have the courage? Would I have the savvy for that? Um, am I willing to look at things that aren't just, you know, face and look deeper into the situation? I mean, and the, the interesting thing for me about writing the repossession, if you came with me when we went all the way up the river. Yes, yes, with Kokomo, the dog. You know, initially it's about, of course, the origins of teleportation and, you know, who the hell is going to volunteer. Right. To be constructed. It's <laughs> yes. all very well on Star Trek. Yes. Reality, how yeah. many people died testing it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and don't get put back together the right way. <laughs> right. So, but in fact, what it, it develops is, is that what they realize is that teleportation maybe not what the business is all about. Mm -hmm. What they've actually realized is it's about, it's about cosmetic surgery using the deconstruction of your DNA. So when you are recreated, you are now perfect. Right. And there's yeah. certainly enough vanity and in the world for that to be a big industry. Yeah. That's why they're experimenting on these kids. Yes. It's not teleportation stakes. It's cosmetic surgery. Right. But what yeah. she discovers about herself and her abilities, um, well, yes. which yeah, yeah. is uh, which is always extraordinary. And of course, uh, the dog, you know, I, you know, I remember the scene, Mucha. there's a, a water scene trying to keep the dog alive, never mind them alive, you know, yeah. and and it's always that struggle. Do you know how do I keep the dog alive? But it, I think the dog is um, I mean, we the real we, dog, you know, right. Uh, the dog in France, where I was writing that in the farmhouse, you know, and lovely uh, Berger, which are a, a lovely dog. But my God, in France, you might see some women who are treating the dogs well, but my God, in the countryside, dogs are not treated well. Mm. 
yeah. that's uh, where I was staying. He sent me a picture of their letterbox and he hadn't been home for a while because of pandemic and they were staying in town and they came and opened the letterbox and there was a cuckoo's nest in there with a whole bunch of uh, eggs. <laughs> Nature will take over if you give it half the chance. <laughs> yeah. um, I think having, having an animal you know, in, in there is that the animal is the comfort, like in the cat blue, it's her best friend. It's, it's her attachment of herself. Um, it's her consciousness. It's her strength. You know, it's her protector. And when we, you know, having the dog in there, you know, the, the human is protecting the dog, but the dog is also protecting the human, you know, and yeah. it, it's, it's that companionship. It's what you'll understand because you used to be a dog owner mm -hmm. is that you're not, always just worried about yourself right you're worried about the animal and the animal's fate and the worried is and the dog is equally worried about you they pick up signals yes they understand they're sympathetic they're simpatico mm -hmm. and, um, so it adds a dimension to any character if you have to care for if it's not a dog or a child or uh, if you remember the outlaw josie wales with mm -hmm. uh, Clint Eastwood, it's about, uh, you, you can be as hard as you like, but if your responsibility for oh, this whole bunch of children or a dog or whatever, it softens you at the same time makes you more human. Yes, it does. It's kind of, it gives you um, something else that you're fighting for. You know, yeah. that's, that's uh, really, really important. You know, something else, because it's very easy to either kind of give in or, or turn sour or bad but when you've got something that relies on you a life that relies on you it kind of keeps you honest it keeps you focused and it keeps mm -hmm. that heart connection going going back to um mission Longshire, uh, celeste who's the girl who's adrift uh in space and she's on this planet and got this maintenance robot and uh in a nice little treat he's really the dog in this story yes yeah <laughs> But of course, I, in the beginning, it's just a maintenance robot. And every time she needs something or whatever, and he doesn't know the answer, he downloads another app. <laughs> <laughs> so, totally yeah. relatable. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Eh? <laughs> anyway, but it's, um, again, it's about uh, you're humanizing, uh, yeah. an if you like, but... Um, uh, but but it also it expresses uh, kind of human tendencies of caring. I mean, it's it's just kind of nuts and bolts and downloaded um, uh, data. But at the same time, it, it cares. It really cares for Celeste and her survival. Absolutely, and, it, yeah. it was ordered to do that. But you could see that he really does get yeah. angry at all the things that she does, which yeah. uh, puts them at risk, as it were. Right. Yeah. Uh, originally, it was it was called Planet B. Um, but um, you changed the name for different reasons. But she a lot of other Planet B books out there. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that's probably the Armageddon Planet B. You know, <laughs> we destroyed Planet A. Um, but it's very intriguing. You know uh, that she actually does go out to this particular planet to see if it's because she knows she can't stay on this broken um, um, wherever she is, whatever you call it. Um, Broken, the yeah, spaceship yeah. yeah and she knows that the, it's it's you know its days are going to be numbered so she needs somewhere to go so they go investigate this um this planet b and it's really quite intriguing and we don't want to give too much away but i love the way you merge kind of 
the creatures and the humans and but also in the short period of time that she's there the, the history that is shown there um which is very very intriguing and you know the the reason why that planet isn't one that she can stay in so uh, the poor girl is the wherever she turns to think oh this is sanctuary it ain't so yeah. you know it's a uh, it's quite possible and i know a lot of people think there is but i have a feeling that it may not be another, another planet like this uh, yeah with all the right combinations of oxygen mm -hmm. and uh, hydrogen you know all the things that we need to sustain yes. our lives and it might be just a fantasy that we all think there is like heaven is yeah. a fantasy uh you know without offending people who believe in it heaven is a reality for those who believe in it and so is this other earth yeah yeah that'll be out there well it may not be and no i think i think we're a phenomenon amongst the universe this planet you mm -hmm. know we might have been an experiment that you know just is extraordinary um and you know the i think we're put here to to respect you know, this planet and work with it, work with nature, not abuse it like we have. Um, and that's the lesson that we're here to learn. And, you know, Mother Nature can uh, evict us any time. And, you know, she's certainly been kicking up a storm. And we're apparently about to have more tornadoes and more hurricanes than last year. And uh, it's, uh, she's letting us know, don't get complacent. You know, you're being let out now, but don't go back to your old ways. And, yeah. you know, we've got to change. We've got to have more respect, not only for our planet, but for each other. Because this, you know. Now the air's world's air cleared, but people weren't flying. I know. I mean, it was just extraordinary to yeah. see that. And animals coming out in the middle of streets and things like that. And yeah. it just shows, you know, we're, we're here to share this planet. It's not ours. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's time for us to grow up uh, and be more respectful, which, um, it, yeah, you know, it, there isn't the plan B, another plan. And if you do go there, you may have to live underground or you may have to live in in buildings and never see the sky or fresh air again or feel the wind on your face or dive into the ocean. You know, there's a lot that you will give up. So take care of what you do have. I'm not sure I want to live basically underground on Mars. No on the surface it would be you'd be irradiated you're right or, or with elon musk on mars for that matter. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but, uh, uh it, it's not like you know the the star trek so you know you can assimilate anything you want and you know it's it's um it, you know these other worlds when you look at uh, the other worlds in star wars they were always very deserty and kind of abandoned and only certain creatures could live there so yeah everything goes back to appreciate what you have now we've got another book to talk about which i don't have here with me i don't know where it is um because i don't have everything with me here in this house but the j and k forever a powerful young love story yeah. set in the bleak badlands i will uh see it somewhere possibly j and k forever yeah and um, never really liked the cover of this one, to be honest. That's I blame my nephew. Uh, <laughs> I do like the cover. I think it's pretty cool. And um, so this is about 60 years after everything, the end of everything, mm -hmm. post-apocalypse. Um, the city of Bluet survives, controlled by a malignant force called the Fundamentals. Men rule, girls receive no education, and are matched at 16 to the highest bidder. 
everything modern is prohibited. No one is permitted to leave and outside is a murderous wasteland of despair. That should cheer your readers up. <laughs> and, uh, Sounds a little handmaidenish. <laughs> it's about two orphans who, uh, you know, she, the girl is about to be betrothed to the highest bidder mm -hmm. and, uh, and he is being put out to pasture to go and look after all the things they banned. Mm. And, um, and of course, this is all based on reality, what's happened with the Taliban and things like that. And um, but in America. Well, as I said, a little handmaided tale, which I don't yeah. know if you've seen that, but, you yeah. know, um, they, but it's for kids. So and yeah. they're they're all told, you know, outside there, outside the city, it's a ruin and a wasteland and all the rest of it. And, and mostly you'd get that kind of book or that kind of movie where when they go out and they find it's all fabulous. Right, but exactly. Actually, no, it's a wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, and it's about survival. It's also about love. And uh, it's a love story, but a post-apocalyptic love story. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, um, you write a lot about kind of end of world um you know either through pandemics or you know um we've pushed the button or you know trying to survive it but it, you've always got hope in it like finding love you know finding purpose uh going against the establishment um it, it's always that there has to be something more and we have to strive for it uh, so you you're whatever age group you're writing for and everything that you write there's always that there that there is always something more if you're willing to look for it in jk forever the the scene that people find harrowing is when they come across the dentist who mm. is pulling people's teeth out because they can't you know that's that's what his job is now just pulling people's teeth out so yes all their food and all the rest of it yeah. well, I'm, you know that's kind of going back somewhat to the dark ages where people sold their teeth right yeah. or sold their hair or whatever you know so that the rich people could have dentures so yeah it's, um yeah it's it's pretty scary once they leave the city which was pretty horrific but to go out there and discover just what and and because they know they don't have no idea and everybody's got a different theory about what the apocalypse was Mm. And that was also entertaining for me to write because, you know, certain people say, oh, no, it was eco-terrorism or, you know, a virus or a pandemic or whatever. But actually, no one really knows because there's, once you cut the electricity off, you also cut knowledge off. Right. Well, yeah. um, you know, one of, one of my favourite movies was The Book Thief, um, yeah. which is a wonderful story. Um, I love the book, but not the movie so much. But anyway. Mm. Um, you know, the whole thing about what happens when you have any of these regimes, what do they do? They destroy knowledge. They destroy books. But we are meant to learn from past things. And, you know, this whole control thing is that we don't want you to know anything because what we don't want you to do is think for yourself or think there's a solution. We want to keep you in fear because that's how we keep you in control. The problem is, is that we're actually heading down that road. Uh, with this cancel culture that they don't want history to be taught because mm -hmm. history is evil, it's full of things like slavery and whatever. Well, we should be learning from Right. History. Yes. I mean, Civil War over slavery. Right. You know, you know? Um, but there were also people in the world 
who fought, a guy called Wilberforce and whatever, to ban slavery. Slavery should never have happened. It's right. a terrible thing. But to say that one should not discuss it or anyone whose great-grandfather or great-great-great-great-grandfather had an investment in it in some way or share, it's stupid to do that. We need to learn from history, right. not to do these things again. And in fact, there's a new series on possibly Amazon. I haven't got it. Uh, but based on the book, The Underground Railroad. Mm. Yes. I'd yes. Really like that. It's uh, coming up on Amazon, I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that look, looks really good. Because um, taking it literally, you know, saying there really was a railroad. Right. Underground, you know, where the slaves escaped. And that, to me, is, you know, that was a wonderful uh, story, wonderful piece of imagination, but with a real message and mm -hmm. how cruel and terrible it all was. But to, to cancel anyone who wants to discuss it or uh, cancel all of the buildings that were built by those who made it, et cetera, we know we need to, you know, stick a plaque on it and say, this yes. was fun slavery, fine. Right. But, you know, and then they name even some of the slaves or the people, whatever. But right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this is a erasement of history. You're doomed to repeat it. We have to learn from it and to penalize somebody um you know that is ignorant uh we, we we recently had a thing here with one of the bachelorettes and there was a girl that um went to a party that was like the um you know the you know the the pla uh, plantation parties where they all dressed up the women all dressed up in fancy clothings She's from the South. She had absolutely no idea it was to do with slavery or anything else because she wasn't taught any of that. And of course, she's dating a black guy, the first black bachelor, and yeah. it's bored up. And now, like, he walks away from her and they're back together now. But it's like everybody out to attack her. And they say, OK, no, stop attacking her. Attack the system that didn't teach her. Yeah. Right. So it's like we're, we're great to persecute people and blame them. But let's look at the situation of what they're brought up in and why are they not getting the knowledge? Why do they not know this? And now they do know it. Are they willing to change? Mm. Right. Because we love to persecute people and blame them and shame them. But we don't like to um, help people change their ways. No. Uh, it is worrying though because it, you know, makes you hesitant about what you're going to write about. Yeah, the political correctness. And um, yeah, you've got to be sensitive to it. And people who are brave or write about it is uh, immediately cancelled, or publishers cancel their deals and whatever. And it's same with sex, etc. You know, gosh, you know, the list of things that are taboo now is very reminiscent of, you know living in Russia or yeah. whatever. So. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, yes, you know, black lives do matter. And certainly the voice needs to be heard. And most certainly the system has to change. Most certainly in America, even though we have it here in Canada as well. Racism is, a, is alive and well. And, you know, we've got a great deal of persecution going on with the our Asian population. No, I don't understand. The, well, I suppose I understand it in the sense that it's the they're there and they've all come over from um you know i remember last time i was there all the street signs in 
Coquitlam and around there in Korean, etc., which mm-hmm. I was quite amazed that the change. Yes. But, um, and certainly there will always be resentment of the, the incomer, as it were. Yes. I mean, in New York, 1890s, there were riots against the Irish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, there is, you know, places like New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Canada, America, we are immigrant countries. We're yeah. made up of, you know, the, the all sorts of everybody that, you know, that was willing to take the journey for whatever reason. Um, so this whole thing about, you know, keeping things pure or keeping it white or keeping it American um, is a whole load of codswallop because <laughs> look to your ancestors, where did they come from? Uh, there's, a, there's a whole shakeup going on right now. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of that it all back to the red indians really but, right exactly yeah and, and there is even no, one we're invading the uh, natural animals that were there so you know yeah exactly so, so yeah there's a lot that um, has to be questioned and i think our youth are questioning it um but you have two sides of the youth those that have are really intuitively smart and they're questioning and they they want to know more and they want to change the system and the others that are just blindly being led by the phone and the latest tweet or the latest um instagram or the latest tiktok or whatever it's called and uh you know are just mindlessly going through life and uh and mindlessly i did actually when i was walking on the seafront yesterday in the horrible driving rain uh, a girl in front of me walked straight into a tree because she was looking at the phone. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, you know, you, if you remember, we grew up with like, we don't want robots to take over. They have. It's called a phone. Yeah. All right. And so you've, you've, you've become the slave to the phone that you can't put it down. You, every time you hear a ping, you've got to know who likes me now, who's responded to something. And yes. you've become well, a slave to it. No one likes me, so I'm, you know, me. I don't have <laughs> <laughs> Let's switch, uh, switch it up a little bit more and know more about Sam and ask you a few questions here. Now, start yep. off is, what's your favorite movie and why? Uh, Buster Keaton's The General. Why? Uh, that's a silent movie. It's sheer brilliance uh first time i ever saw it and it's a film made oh gosh 1926 i think and i saw it with a full orchestra mm. right in uh, the bfi cinema and it was amazing uh just the technicality of it it's hilariously funny but at the same time his cast was like the entire army it was just extraordinary. He managed to get just thousands of soldiers involved. There were no special effects in those mm. days. And it's a story uh, about the, uh, the Civil War and about a train driver. And the general is a train. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing film. And most people, you know, if they're going to go, think about their favourite films. But, you know, we now have 120 years of cinema. Right. You know. And don't forget the first 20 is yeah. what I think. Yeah, there, there is um, a speech that constantly goes around um, on Facebook, which I always share, and it's uh, Charlie Chaplin. And he kind of looks like Hitler, but it's a speech about humanity and 
yeah, yeah. and it, it is ah oh, every time I listen to it it you know I don't know when it was done but my god it's it speaks to us now 37 or something like that but what um, one of my favorite of his uh, is the circus and also um, the gold rush which is up in the Klondike area and uh, there's a famous one where he's eating shoe leather because they're starving right yes i remember that yeah and and the thing is they had to rely on emoting emotion you know not the special effects which we see so much in movies today i mean it was truly acting wasn't it at its best storytelling the craftsmanship too is yeah uh, amazing particularly when dealing with what they were you know filming with and how quick everything was etc yes yeah, Chapman, you know, he reshot whole films if he didn't like something. You know, he was, you know, perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. but but, but the, you know, we got we got the benefit of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Your the book you're reading right now. What is it uh, you are reading? I have just finished uh, *Rule of Wolves* by Lee Bardugo, and she's got a series on TV at the moment called *Shadow and Bone*. Oh, which is great. Yes, I've watched that. And if you, you know, you can't start with Rule of Wolves because it's the end of the series. Right. But I envy anyone who hasn't read all this and can all go back to the beginning and read them all because they're just amazing. She is a brilliant writer. Yeah, uh, and, and The Shadow and Bones, it's on Netflix and it's, um, it, again, for all age genres, it doesn't matter what age you are on that and it's, it's, no, no. it's very Actually, well done. I'm slightly upset in a way because you've got Shadow, Shadow and Bone, which is one book, then Ruin and Rising, and then there's another series called Six of Crows, where they're also a sequel, and they put them all together. Now, obviously, they decided to do that because they didn't want to take the risk of starting another or whatever, I don't know, but um, I am slightly disappointed that they didn't develop one strand for the, the first series, and then they could move on. Um, Budgeting. But they're beautifully done. <laughs> yes, they are. Money on it. And uh, I hope people do watch it. And Lee Bardugo is, as I say, I think one of the best writers out there. Oh, and, and one I've recommended to you, which you haven't got yet, is The Nevers. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, it's on. Which is, um, is probably will come out soon. Um, and it's, again, totally different. It's not what you expect it to be. It, it's about people who have been, quote, touched. So they're, you know, in other movies that we call mutants, they've all got gifts. But how they've got these gifts and why they've got these gifts and where they come from is revealed. And it's really quite intriguing. And it opens up things altogether. I've avoided writing uh, about superheroes. I prefer to have people with individual gifts of some kind generally psychic or whatever. Yeah, this um, is what the Nevers is. You yeah. know, they all have this, a, a particular gift that they have. And that or is their forte. Yeah. Which I highly recommend. But, okay, the bush, the book you would wish you had written. Which would be Catch-22. And why? Other than the fact uh, that totally intriguing. I think I've read it maybe four times. And each time I laugh. And each time, you know, it's the horror of war, but it's also the Americans in Italy being forced to, they increase their missions after mission after mission. They can never get out. And there's one guy in there particular who's desperate to, you know, that he wants to have him declared mad, but then you have to be mad to fly the mission anyway. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it was brilliant. 
And, and how many of us kind of come to that catch 22 type situation, right? Which, um, well, that's where that expression comes from. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the TV series you're hooked on right now, which you've just talked about, Shadow and Bone. Yeah, so that's that, really. Uh, I don't have anything else that I'm uh, hooked on at all at the moment. I've been working so much on my own stuff. Um, in fact, I've just reached that point where, you know, when you finish a book, and, you know, and, and lockdown's finishing as well, and I realise I have permission to... Have a life. <laughs> start living again, but I cannot remember how to do that. <laughs> Uh, yeah actually be able to go and walk for your coffee and your newspaper at a coffee house <laughs> you know in almost a year and it's like wow you know yeah no i yeah. mean we've been fortunate that we've been able to kind of mostly do restaurants we've we've now just been opened up to indoor dining and for the last two months it's been outdoor dining but you know we've actually had good weather to do that which has been great okay the book that you um could not finish um, that, well, there are several, but one in particular would be um, um, Mark Twain's autobiography. Why very, couldn't you finish it? It was about a thousand pages. <laughs> I, I, I got through the first like 300 and whatever, but in actual fact, um, no, yeah, I just couldn't carry on. There. Just, you know. Yeah, there's just some that just, it's too painful to read and it's not the storyline, no, it's just, it's just so hard to get through. Mostly him moaning about not getting paid here and there, and I think, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah. Getting, getting paid by publishers is, you know. Oh, God, yes. That's the reason why everybody, you know, self-publishes yeah. nowadays, yeah. Um, the book you're ashamed that you haven't read? Um, yes. Well, there's a whole bunch. Um I tried reading um, the French book uh, about time lost. Um, I, forgot, I can't say it in French. That was terrible. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of films, a whole bunch of books out there that you're supposed to have read, mm -hmm. like uh, Ulysses. Nope, not going to read Ulysses. <laughs> Doesn't appeal. Right. Okay. But Not that's the time. but that's the point of reading a book. It's it you're meant to read something that is appealing because then it's going to stay with you, it's going to be intriguing. But just to have to read a book because everybody else is reading it or it's the book that needs to be read. If if you if you haven't got the attachment to it, then why? Yeah, absolutely. There are other books. And there are thirty thousand books a year being published. So exactly. Really catch up, and you? this last year, a hell of a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought I was going to finally write mine in the last year, but I went from four shows a week to eight shows a week, so there was no time. So eventually one day... My friend in France, and he's just written his second volume of his autobiography. Oh, my goodness. Right. first volume, which was, you know, interesting. Yeah. Had a pretty horrible time in a Jesuit school. Mm -hmm. uh, his father was the governor of um, one African colony and whatever, and... Uh, yeah, he was beaten a lot, abused a lot. It was pretty horrible. Uh, and so I'm not terribly keen when he sends me the second. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 The, the next book that we have coming out is the Forgotten Children series, where people will be contributing a chapter on the raising of our children and um, with the system that needs to change and how we can do it. So, you know, it's, my concentration is on that right now rather than my own. 
Okay. So your favorite movie character? Uh, well, um, my favorite character in movies really is Cary Grant. I love his movies. Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably very unfashionable to say so these days, but I always enjoy them if they are on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, Philadelphia Story and um, My Girl Friday, you know, etc. He just had a wonderful urbane style mm -hmm. and all these writers. And um, yeah, it was charm at the same time, very witty scripts, very wordy, um, mm -hmm. which I quite like. You know. Yeah, I mean, there, there is an art to, to people being able to deliver that. And um, um, there was a movie that um, that uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones did um, called, uh, I think, Sunset Express. And it's just the two of them, one guy trying to prevent the other guy from committing suicide and the reason for him to live. And I've never seen these actors as good as I've seen them in this movie. And it literally is all in one room. So it must have originally been a stage um performance yes. and it's just you know both of them just went up so many scales because you know they're kind of action type guys but the this was all dialogue and emotion it was so good you used to love like walter Matthau and yeah and all those people and all of them were very talky very rapid yeah and i kind of missed that yes um, you know, we can celebrate people like brad pitt and whatever what they are but they're never really going to be talking fast or yes, or whatever, because that's not their style, and I yeah. miss that in a way. Yeah, I think that's what I enjoyed so much about this not only the storyline, but the fact that it was a conversation between two people and an intelligent conversation and a debate on life. And uh, I think, as I said, the best I've seen both of them, um, and the most dialogue I've seen from both of them in any of their moves. Uh, so, highly recommend that. Um, your favorite piece of music. Now, I know that you write always to classical music in the background. Yes, I do. Um, and just recently, I have been obsessed with Petrushka by Stravinsky and also the Brandenburgs by Bach. And uh, basically, I listen to them often, but I have other uh, movie soundtracks, uh, things like Inception or mm -hmm. um, Golden Compass or whatever, just stuff around. So uh, I don't have to think about it, but at the same time, they have different cadences and moods and rhythms mm. so that it's the familiarity of it at the same time it's it's just there as you're writing you know it's kind and, of a companion a stimuli isn't it um yeah, yeah. I, I i will um when I've got a lot of admin to do, um i you know headphones are on and I'm listening to music um and then, you know, I can just get through the admin without the pain because you know, the music stimulates you long. Um, there's another series that you took, you mentioned the Golden Compass and they've got the, the, the series, The Dark Materials, yes, which I same, same story, yeah. Which is, um, I really love this version of it and the, yeah. the young character of it and where it's going. And I hope it comes back soon um, because I well, think they've they... got the first two and they've got the last one to do now. Right. That would be the hardest one to do, I think. Yes, definitely. Um, but I mean, beautifully done, you know. Um, of course, it's brilliant. Uh, and if you remember her, she was the star really of Logan. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and you because she's kind of growing literally in this, you know, as a teenager into a young woman, we're seeing kind of a transformation of her as well, you know, yeah. in this. And um, now very well done, beautifully filmed and uh, I'm really, really into it. So I can't wait for the next one to come out. Mm -hmm. um, the instrument, uh, or no, the greatest cultural pleasure 
is not going to the theatre. Oh, the guiltiest culture of pleasure, sorry. Yes, no, I don't go to the theatre. Which is, you know, our mother was a theatrical actress. So it, <laughs> so it has to be movies for you, not live theatre. But not theatre, no. Just Why? Like Why is that? Never liked theatre. Yeah, never enjoyed it, really. Um, and if I have to go to the play, I mean, I have occasionally seen a good play. Um, but uh, in general, I prefer the movies combination of the music the sound the big screen that absolutely you fall into yes yeah for me yeah so another I have some of my best ideas when suddenly it's you know whether it's the music or whatever it's suddenly you know it it, it stimulates me whereas theater i always find quite often painful <laughs> yeah i i can agree to that too i mean i, I do like good theater and when you go see good theatre that you get lost in it, then you forget that you're in a theatre, you're in the story. But, you know, going going to certain plays where you know there is the acting and here you are and it's an uncomfortable situation. So and you go to the loop. Yes, exactly. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> so I want an aisle seat, right? Um, so yeah, I agree with that. But I love, you know, musicals. So I love watching live performances of that. So you're not really a musical person, are you? Oh, yes, I love musicals. I have a friend who actually is a specialist in musicals. Mm -hmm. He teaches uh, musicals at Lincoln University, Dominic, and... Um, he writes books about them, etc. by Lerner and Lowe and all the rest of them. And I'm looking forward to Spielberg's West Side Story, which is yes. finished, but uh, whenever they're going to show it, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's coming out soon, I think. And I, I remember uh, Tasha, my youngest daughter, I, I played for her West Side Story. And she afterwards, she said to it, it, it just it could be the same story now. Just, Absolutely. you know, different plays and, and, and you know. The last uh, stage version of it. Yes, version. yes. Oh, no, that would be about 15 years ago now. But anyway. Oh, God, more than that, I think. Um, and, the, and the thing is, there's always a piece of music, isn't there, kind of, that just like, ah, oh, it haunts you. That's your music. You've got to listen to it over and over again. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, the instrument you wish you'd learned? Well, I wish that wish I had wish I'd learned properly the piano. I, I remember I, you going into people's houses and just playing on their piano. <laughs> yeah, no, I yes, I should have learned to read music properly, and but um, no, I didn't, and it's my fault entirely. Mm -hmm. There are two Never things. I regret. There are two things I regret. One is not being able to play the piano properly. And the other one is uh, I would love to have been an illustrator mm. as well as a writer. Yeah. And then I could have done illustrated books and I would have loved to have done that. Right. Yeah, I've just uh, interviewed a young autistic girl who's just got her second Very. book, Dysmonia, and she illustrates as well. She's actually a graphic illustrator and, uh, mm. um, and she illustrates in her own book and she wants to work for Disney. Right, exactly. And the, and the thing is, like, she may be autistic, but she's incredibly gifted. And, um, you know, that's, I think, many, many people that are, that are very, very gifted, are very directional, are autistic. And so when we're looking at autism in a totally different way. Uh, the music that inspires you. 
There's a lot of it that does. Um, I like movie soundtracks in particular. Mm-hmm. Less of late, oddly, but that's um, possibly because um, you can't buy CDs anymore. <laughs> uh, can't plug them into your computer anymore. You can download them from YouTube. I know. It's not the same. I don't know why. <laughs> I hate the way everything now has gravitated to you can't own anything. No, everything's on your phone, right? Everything is an app. Yeah. It's an app word, but I have to pay for it every year. Yeah. Why? Why can't right. I just keep it as it is? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, what you have got here is the Thin Red Line soundtrack. Yes. Yes, I love that. Um, I didn't like the movie. I thought cinematography was fantastic, but I thought it was just the storyline was just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, but it was brilliantly filmed. It was brilliantly filmed and it's a very true story. And actually there's a a huge allowed of it, uh, about four hours of it cut out that he filmed. So that was the cut down version of it. Mm. I don't know, it just didn't, didn't hit me. The place you feel the happiest. I feel happy. Biarritz in France. Why? Uh, the beach, the ocean, the ozone. I've written tons of books there. and I, It's your I'm muse? It's your muse? My muse. I love it. It's just a beautiful place. Um, uh, coffee's pretty terrible, but you know, <laughs> you know, I have to like French coffee, really. Um, great pastries. Mm. Um, a fantastic coastline miles and miles and miles of it with coves and and you can swim in it as long as it's not too rough so you can i nearly got swept away a few years ago there a wave came in and sucked me out took me out with it that happened to you in cape town too yeah it happens to me a lot because i like big waves (laughs) actually too close to them <laughs> i i remember in cape town we you know uh, we were out <laughs> swimming and we were on the side where you know it was beautiful crystal clear but very cold and we were just treading water talking to someone and all of a sudden the waves started coming in mm-hmm. and i couldn't move my body had gone so cold i couldn't move and mm-hmm. you just grabbed me by my hair and pulled me in <laughs> i remember that <laughs> yeah, now I couldn't go. I mean, it's what only seven degrees that water. Yes, yeah. No, we we were young. We could take it, but not now, right? <laughs> it's got to be warmer, a lot warmer. Okay, so who's coming to dinner post COVID? Right. Okay, I have a dinner plan. Mm-hmm. I have the table. I got the chairs. So I'm going to have uh, Buster Keaton, mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin, Gene Harlow, Bob Mitchum, Hedy Lamarr. Um. Uh, luckily, they're all dead, so they won't be turning up for supper tonight. Well, the ghosts uh, will be there. So, you know. but uh, I just think how interesting that conversation. Oh would God, be. yeah. They probably all smoke, and they're all resentful that I make them stand outside. Yeah, true. Now, how come nobody kind of in this century? Nobody. No. Like no. No modern day person. Who would, who would I want modern day person? I have no idea. Uh, I just know that um, I particularly like those particular people for the work to do. Hedy Lamarr, of course, uh, was an actress, but also invented um, basic invention for radar and things like mm, that. Yeah. Bob Mitchum. I have met him, actually. 
uh, he was making a movie and he was dressed as a bum sitting on the sidewalk. And I remember it was a, it was a cop comes up to say, I always knew you'd end up on the street, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I met him, and uh, he he was quite quite interesting character. And um, Keaton and Chaplin, well, Keaton would be interesting to have with Chaplin there because they would all have their own memories of how Hollywood, the early Hollywood, was. Mm. And Chaplin was treated very badly by Hollywood in the yeah. end. And uh, Keaton was also ripped off totally. And, um, the trouble so, is, they were artistry; they weren't really businessmen. So well, Chapman was a businessman. His brother looked after him pretty well, but uh, it was his politics that get. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Some of the grapes, absolutely. You know, um, there's a few there that I would like to meet too. Um, there is a, a movie. I'm going to forget the title, um, but it was on um, Oscar Wilde, a recent one, more done in black and white. Uh, yes, not Stephen Fry. It's with. Uh... <sighs> it was out twenty twenty, um, yeah. and uh, I've completely forgotten the name. But did you see it and did you like it? No, I didn't see it, and uh, it clearly wasn't on. Well, I haven't been. You know, I've only seen two films in the last year because right. the cinema. Yes, I can't remember. I have seen it, but I don't know if it was HBO or. Crave or, or Netflix, I'm not sure, but I think it was on Netflix. But yes, I did see it. And actually, it was really well done. Um, and really the capturing. The thing about the black and white, um, it, it, the mystery that it had behind it, right? The kind of the certain allure, you know, it, color is great, absolutely fantastic. But there's, there's something about that black and white of not quite knowing the, the, the lighting and the shadowing the contouring of that light it yeah. just takes and, you down a different road which uh, also won an oscar this year uh, on tv but uh, mank was that's the one i'm talking about mank is it uh, right yes. you said oscar wild so that's why i got uh, okay no it wasn't oscar wild what was this uh, what was it about it's the guy that um Ah, I've completely forgotten the name of the guy that it was about, the newspaper guru. It's a, yes, it's a, it's about the um, the Orson Welles. Orson Welles, that's it. That's where I've got mixed up. Oscar Wilde, Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I think the problem for me with Mank is that I think uh, I think the performances were good, stylistic, and the photography was great. It didn't just quite come off, and I, and I don't particularly know why. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, it, it passed the time or whatever, and they did recreate Charles Dance plays um, the newspaper proprietor. Right. But, yes, it was interesting, but not yeah. didn't quite didn't quite win my heart, as it were. Right. So. Whereas. Maybe. Um, <laughs> Citizen Kane was actually on TV the other day. And that is still an amazing film. Yes. Yes, I remember watching that when I was younger. And uh, again, that black and white, you know, that that oh, yeah. contouring of the, you know, the shading and everything else. There's just something about it. I listen to the way that Orson Welles filmed it and um, the use of dialogue and mm -hmm. angles, etc. Um, yeah, it was fascinating. At the same time, good story. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
The best advice given to you? Um, go into real estate. Mm -hmm. And sadly, I did not take that advice. Well, you own your own home now. I own a home, but I'm not in selling real estate. And right. So right now and the market's gone mad oh it's gone nuts here it's ridiculous people are just what's happening now is they're tearing old houses down to build new houses and but instead of tearing them down they're recycling because that's the only way that somebody can afford a home is to yeah. recycle a home and it's uh, yeah it's you know my daughter and her husband have just built a house and it should have been done in 2019 and because of the delay, they did it in 220, and the um, lumber just doubled, doubled in price. So uh, prices of everything have just suddenly gone up here. Yeah, thousands oh, of all the materials that yes. go in. There. But yeah, yeah no, I mean, I had an opportunity to go into real estate a long, long time ago, and I should have done it because one more to make money. But I'm actually interested in houses and um, how they can be changed and remodeled, etc. Well, that's and, what our mother did. She was very good at that, wasn't she? Yeah, and I should have done it, but um, decided to be, be a writer. What a fool I was. You know? Yes, but you also have traveled a great deal. So, you know, you put your money <laughs> in traveling. Sold a few houses, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, well, you know, you've got a home. <laughs> so you've got um, what you wish you known. That I should have gone into real estate. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we've done many a show on your books on writing. We did one completely on, you know, being the author. Um, I remember you coming into my son's class and talking about being a script writer and what, you know, movies was all about. And you just did a funnel and just said, it's all about popcorn all yeah. about popcorn sales and you had all these kids you know teenagers they thought they had the next script and this and then by the end of it they're totally deflated with the reality of it but people see something up on the screen and they think i can do that and they just don't realize how much work come you know getting a script sold or getting a book bought you know it's all very well getting something great on paper but then it's what happens after that and, and nowadays, you know, I interview uh, many, many authors because whether you're with a publicist or not, they just say, go and get interviewed. Uh, they don't do anything for you anymore. And this is why we see so much more self-publishing because you've got to still do all the work anyway. So. But it's um, exceptionally hard to get anything read mm. for scripts. It's just, uh, you know. The gatekeepers, right? Which is why you see the same people constantly writing everything. Right. Yeah. So, well, they're a tribe, you know, we know they can do it. Whereas that, there must be just literally a million great scripts that mm -hmm. no one's going to make a film out of. Yeah. And, um, you know, like all of the books that you've written, I mean, you know, the, the, um, the Hunted, you know, Jenny McGee, the whole series here would make a brilliant movie a brilliant movie and you know you each book would be completely fill you know a wonderful hour and a half of a movie and um yeah, yeah. and the cat blue is also another beautiful visual one that would be fantastic in that repercussions of thomas d imagine what that could be i mean all of them could be made uh, i've already written the script already written the script in lockdown and my next project for the next lockdown 
<laughs> sure, stop being so negative. <laughs> the repercussions of Jeannie McGee into a script. That will be my next project. Right. I'm not going to do it till I'm forced to back in my room here. Right. And um, No, it's time to take a break. Get out there and, you know, see the world out there. I mean, where you're living, there's some fantastic walks along the beaches and sand dunes and and uh, see if all your little vegan restaurants are still alive None. out there. No, they all died. Uh, oh. yeah, no. Although, yeah, well, yeah, they try to pretend they are, but then they fry everything in butter. And I think, well, that's not very vegan. <laughs> we found yeah. a wonderful little vegan place, fantastic vegan scones in Laos. In, yeah, in Laos. Is it still open? Is it yeah. still there? Um, what a shame. And, um, the, um, yes, I was... There's another place that I really like, but actually what I'd really like to do is to buy that restaurant and turn it into a home. Ah, okay. There's a, there's a restaurant I particularly like um, that used to be a library. They turned it into a restaurant and I'm, I'm a, that's, you know, come my, when I win the lottery. Right, uh, yes, we, we keep talking about that, but I don't know about, we've got to buy tickets first. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. But, right. yeah, um, so anyway, all I'm hoping is that people will discover Mission Logshot and We Feel Your Pain. Yes. To the most recent. And I'm hoping people will find them, um, whether on your site or Sam Hawksmoor. Um, they're all available. Singing and dancing. And, you know, the thing is, is that, yes, you write a lot for, for youth genre, but that's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it, it helps kind of bring out the little bit of the youth inside of ourselves, which we forget. And, you know, we get to, when you're around youth, the, the optimism, you know, of that there has to be something better. There's always a solution. We can do this. We kind of lose as we get older. We get kind of jaded. You know, why bother? You know, nothing is yeah. ever going to happen. And, you know, reading these books is, is one to kind of remind us of that enthusiasm, that there's always a possibility and a way out if we're willing to take the journey. The way I look at it, I think I write books for adults that star kids. Yes, yeah, exactly. And it's it's a, you know, like this the this forgotten children series that we're going to be doing is is basically yes, we're addressing the systems that are wrong and what we can do to put it right. But it's also speaking to the inner child because you know from all the shows that I've done around two thousand or more now you know a, a huge common denominator is the injured child within um you know child that was either abused or neglected or or sickly well, you know just think about peer pressure that's one of the really the most harsh yeah thing. yeah yeah you know getting so many kids stabbed is just horrendous oh god yes and uh you know i've had a couple of shows lately on you know as one woman I was meant to interview we had to change it because her 15 year old tried to commit suicide due to cyber bullying and mm -hmm. uh, another one did commit suicide because she just couldn't take it anymore and it's like you know what kind of world are we giving them where they feel that's the only option but unfortunately we're seeing that as an escalate escalation right now because all they have is their phones and the social media and they don't know how to navigate life and so right now you know my show last week was get out into nature you know, if you've forgotten what it's like, go and watch the puppy dogs chasing a stick or a ball, the kids on their little bicycles learning to ride, people on this, you know, inline skates or 
paragliding as we've got over here get out into nature and to life and remind yourself what yeah. living is all about and it's also important to become part of a team yes that's yes. very a good support mechanism for kids outside of the home yeah yes rather a team than a gang what I yeah and the reason why so many go to the gang because they make it feel like you know a home they haven't got until they have to pay the price and uh go and stab someone to prove their loyalty and all that well stuff. i mean we've got this going on here in vancouver right now the the gang warfare at the present moment between kind of the asian gangs where they're openly uh, taking people out just a few feet away from people sitting outside on a patio with their yeah. families or you know at the at the shopping mall and they don't yep. care who they hurt. They just open up the gun, and that's it. Yep. And, you know, the, the youngest was 14, and two brothers have just been killed. And yep. it's like, is is this really what living is about, folks? No, it isn't. And that's not an area I want to write about either. It's just I'd be uncomfortable doing it. Yeah. Um, I, I've interviewed a few people that, you know, came from, that criminal world you know one of them went into it through oxy you know oxycontin and you know it became the dealer and you know as he said when it's sleeping with the gun under his pillow and he's kind of like what am i doing how did i get here and then you know another guy that um, was a criminal in england he, he went to jail he was most wanted but he literally witnessed at the age of seven in ireland a young man being shot uh, and dying in front of him and then, you know, having nowhere to go, sent to, to England into foster care. And, and then it, it was the, the criminal world that enticed him in. So it happened to me in New York where this guy shot someone in front of me and then came racing towards me saying, you saw that, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you and John being held up in an apartment with yeah. a gun in your mouth as they're busy robbing you. And they would have killed you had there been... Yeah, they knocked his teeth out. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they would have killed you had the neighbors not come home. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you came uh, over to me and I just had my first daughter and you wrote this beautiful book about uh, Claire Bear. Yes. With the uh, nanny. And I'd love to see that resurrected. It was a beautiful book. Yeah, it's of its time, but it's, uh, yeah, that, that would have been nice if that had come out. But anyway, um, you know, we learn. So do you have a story in mind for the next book? Or are you just simply going to take some time no, out and see where it comes? Uh, you know, finished last week. Uh, right, yeah, know. so you need some time. But, I mean, normally you have another story that you know you want to write. But right now, just need a break? Well, no, this, this particular one, uh, Mission Longshot, I began in Montreal in 2013. And um, I was in a coffee shop right opposite where they do Assassin's Creed. And I was there five hours, really inspired. And I got that whole plot down and um, drinking buckets of coffee, waiting for the toilet to come free. <laughs> and when I finally did, I went to the loo. When I came back, someone had stolen my coat and my notebook. Oh, no. And I don't mind. You could take my coat, even though it was minus 20. Right. To take my notebook. I know. I was absolutely distraught. And they would probably just chuck it in the garbage. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. I looked in garbage places yeah. around there. Right. And anyway, but it was just so upsetting. And uh, and I couldn't bring myself to try and recreate. You can't. No. Really in under inspiration at that time. And then the next day I was catching a train to Toronto. So anyway, 
And so it was during lockdown, I decided to look at it again. And then um, through writing the script and then having a mentor, a director called Anna Southgate, and it really helped. And yeah. so I was able to recreate it and add new elements to right. it. One of which was the maintenance bot. Right. You remember your um, Tom Hanks movie, Castaway, where he's talking yes, to Yes, the, the ball, Wilson. Wilson, right? <laughs> yes. And then, so you need a Wilson if you're in a just one person. Yeah, insane. you've got to have something to talk so to, otherwise you've got to go insane. Bot. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, so that became my favorite character, really. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it, I always love the fact that you have some sort of representation of an animal in there and uh, and and how intelligent the animals are and, you know, how caring they are and, and everything else. And and as, uh, as the bot says, um, two legs bad, two wheels good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've read that, but I kind of read it as, as you were writing it and uh, you've sent me the pages since then. And, uh, and, you know, and I haven't got the book yet. Um, but I'm really glad you wrote that. And I really did enjoy, I always enjoy your writing. You always take me somewhere else. And I was reading, um, your pain when I was over there last time as you were writing that. And it's like, it's it, it, the twists and turns in it and the intrigue in it and the, and the, the merging of the worlds that you do um, and how you make it kind of so acceptable where, you know, it's, that it's, it's not like, oh, this doesn't fit. No, it fits and it makes sense. So you, you've always been a gifted writer and I always love reading your books. That was my little homage to uh, the Raymond Chandler, really. So anyway, so there we go. Uh, thank you very much. Sorry. Thank you. So people can go to samhawksmore.com and find all your books and everything there because they also can find them all on Amazon. And as I said, all they have to do is literally put in and softdiscoverymedia.com Sam Hawksmore books and articles and uh, all the shows that we've done together are up there and also all of your books are up there and all the articles that you've written. And of course, you do have hackwriters.com, uh, the Hackwriters magazine, and uh, many of your articles are on there as well. And, uh, sorry? I deny everything. <laughs> and that's 22 years, is it, of Hackwriters? Yeah, yeah, 22 years. Yeah. Great. Lots of, other, uh, yeah, lots of people writing for you as well. Online, yeah, exactly. I, I actually spoke to somebody the other day that started online radio in 95 wow. and uh you know um, but she only does five minute um, five minute shows so we're going to be working together of those five minute shows are going to be intros into our long shows so uh, okay. it's always a merge right we can always merge things together but um good to see you and uh enjoy your summer Yes, you too, you too. And I will be back in England next year. And I should be going to Montreal this year. So I uh, finally get to see it after 41 years of being here. I finally get to go up to Montreal and experience right. it. I'll look for your script while I'm there, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be a bit soggy by now. Yeah, it might be. So, folks, yeah. you've got so many books here. The latest, all the other ones. You know, it's 
it's actually a book that you could read with your teenagers and then have a great conversation with, about afterwards. And, well, I don't think adults and teenagers talk actually anymore. But they anyway. do, they do, especially if they've got something to talk about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something the whole family can read and have a conversation. What did you think about that? Would you like to be in a different type of dimension? You know, what would you do in this situation? I love things that spark conversation. I love books that stay with me and that make me think also make me become one of the characters and fit into that. So uh, here's my beach thing. It comes up in every show. It's kind of where I would like to be. Yeah. <laughs> Palm trees on the water, and the wind. <laughs> That's my destination, my bucket list. So um, oh, well. and, then and it's gone. <laughs> okay. um, be right, well. so, yeah, you too. Folks, Thank please you. come out, uh, you know, look at the books take a read uh, when maybe not in lockdown anymore but you know this is time to take the book off to the coffee house or underneath a tree in the park and read a book in the sunshine and enjoy or it download on kindle as well so. right exactly and read it on your tablet so thanks sam i look forward to the next time thank you and to everyone else, remember, reading is good. It takes you on a different journey. A movie is wonderful. TV is fantastic. But there's something about a book that takes you somewhere else completely. So don't be afraid to pick up a book and read. It's a wonderful place to be. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.